A story is told about a wife who was cooking a a roast one day, and um, her husband asked her after she put it in the oven, said, why did you cut the end of that roast off? And the, the wife said, well, because that's what my mom always did. And so the next day, the, the wife calls up her mom and said, Mom, why do you always cut the end of the roast off before you put it in the oven? And she said, well, I don't know, because that's what my mom always did. And so the two of them call up Grandma and say, Grandma, why do you always cut the end of the roast off before you put it in the oven? And she said, because that is the only way I can get it to fit inside the pan. You know, so many times... We do things without knowing why, but we do them anyway. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you just go through the motion sometimes and do the exact same thing without really giving any thought as to why you do it? This morning, I've entitled this sermon, What Are We Doing Here? And I want you to think as we walk through this message together, Think about your role within this church. Think about your role within the greater church. And and, and as you do that, I want you to ask yourself, what is my role? How am I to be of service within the local church? Once again, have you ever asked yourself, what are we doing here? Have you ever said to yourself or to others, why do I go to church? Why do I go to growth groups? Why do I have to sing the same songs over and over? Why do I have to sit through another sermon? Why do I have to give a tithe anyway? Why do we go on mission trips when there's lost people in our own backyard? Why do we serve the homeless? Because aren't we just enabling them to remain homeless Now, those are questions that I know some of you have asked. You've asked me those questions, and those are questions that I've even asked myself before. This morning, we're going to be looking at our role within the church. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16 together. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 11 through 16 together. And this is what God's Word says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, from the opening verses of this passage, we see that all of us have a role within the local church. My role as your pastor is to equip you and make sure that we have equipping ministries in place here at this church. Your role as a believer, according to this passage of scripture, is to do the work of ministry. 
So our message point is this, the church equips you for the work of ministry. As your pastor, I preach, I have the opportunity to lead, I have the opportunity to shepherd and to walk with each and every one of you. My role is clearly defined in scripture. It is an equipping role. That equipping usually occurs in this room or in smaller smaller discipleship rooms. It occurs as we do life together, as we serve together, as we go on mission together. These are ways that I have the opportunity to to equip you. But understand, within this passage, my role is equipper, but did you notice what your role is? Your role is this, the work of ministry. So if you're a believer in this room, you should know that you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? You are all ministers of the gospel. Say that with me. I am a minister. Ready? One, two, three. I am a minister. One pastor shared when the church was launched in the book of Acts, every member saw themselves as ministers. Sometime during the dark ages, there was a distinction that occurred between clergy and laity. Even the definition of these terms is telling. Clergy means God's lot or heritage, while laity is derived from a word that means the people of God. So you have a distinction here. You've got the pastors and the leaders, and you have the members. Even in the the Middle Ages, we saw that occur. But one of the rallying cries of the Reformation was that every member of the body of Christ is a minister of the gospel. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter does a great job of painting the picture of who we are as believers. In verse 9, we read, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, oftentimes when we think about the church, when you think about Friendship Baptist Church, you probably think, well, we have two pastors and we have two age group directors. Those are the ones that do the work of ministry. That is not true. We have about 150 ministers that make up Friendship Baptist Church because every member is a minister according to God's word. You, my friends, are ministers, and as ministers, you are vital to this church. And for this church to function as a healthy church, then all of us must do the work of ministry. What we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at what a biblical church looks like. And the first thing that we're going to see here is a biblical church is a united church. Paul wrote these words again in verses 11 and 12. In the first part of 13, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith. What Paul does here at the very beginning is he talks about the equipping um, equippers within the church. He talks about, first of all, he mentions the apostles and the prophets. These were two groups of people that were given to the New Testament church, and then he talks talks about evangelists. Evangelists, what they are is they are bearers of good news. When I think about my friend Chief over here, Chief 
was an evangelist. And not only was he an evangelist, but he was also an equipper of evangelists for very much the vast majority of his life. That's what he did. And, and you know, there's still evangelists around today, but they're not like they once were. There was a time, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and before where there were thousands of evangelists that would go from church to church to church leading out in revivals. Don't see them as much anymore within the local church. Then Paul speaks to pastors and teachers. Now, these are two distinct roles normally in Scripture. There is the pastor and there is the teacher. But in this passage of Scripture, what Paul is doing is he is kind of lumping the pastor as the teacher. And so what do we do as ministers of the gospel? We see here in verse 12 that we, we read, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. When you and I do the work of ministry, we build up the body. We strengthen one another. But if a member is sick or if a member is not doing their job, then that is a problem, right? You know, um, God didn't put a hand on your wrist so that you could look good with the hand. He didn't put on a, a foot on your ankle just so you could have something dangling from your leg. Every part of your body was prescribed by God to accomplish a specific purpose. When you think about your role within the local church, the same is true. God has gifted every single one of us differently, but he has gifted us so that we could do the work of ministry. And if one of us is not doing what we were called to do, then that's a problem because we are not allowing the church to function as it should, as a healthy, vital unit. Paul speaks to this in Romans chapter 12. Beginning of verse 4, we read these, four, these words. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Here we are instructed to put into practice our God-given gifts. When we use our God-given gifts, we are building up the body of Christ. And in verse 13a again, we read, until we all attain to the unity of faith. It is unity that binds together those that share a common faith. You and I may have some differences when it comes to um, how we educate our kids or how we raise our kids. We may have some political differences. There may be some doctrinal differences that we have as well. But there are also some non-negotiables that we all in this room should have in common. First of all, we should all believe in the virgin birth. We should believe in the sinless life of Jesus. We should believe in the crucifixion, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We should believe that God's word is inerrant, 
every aspect of it is absolutely true. And we should also believe that when a person becomes a Christ follower, when they repent of their sins and cry out to Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, that they are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. These are non-negotiables when it comes to our faith. And these are things that are unifying. They unite us together. Now, there are some things that that divide us as well, as I indicated a second ago. But there are also some things that unite us as a body of believers. Let us be a unified body that act in a unified way. Notice our second point. It is this. It is a biblical church is a growing church. A biblical church grows deep and a biblical church grows wide. First, a growing church grows spiritually. In verses 13 and 14, again, we read these words, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You and I must make every effort to grow up into a mature believer, to take God's word, to study it, and apply it to our daily lives. We grow in our relationship with the Lord when we pray, right? When we have communion with God the Father, we grow closer to him. As we study God's word, we grow closer to him. And as we take God's word and apply it to our daily lives, we grow closer to him. To do this, it takes work. It takes discipline. It takes spiritual training. It takes time. You aren't born again and automatically become a mature believer, right? It takes time. It takes work. It is a process. Maturing is a process. When my children were born, they weren't automatically mature. It has taken time to get them where they're at today. I wish I could say that they are completely mature, but there are times when I have to remind them of why they are the child and why I am the father. And so there is discipleship that still happens within our homes. You and I do not attain Christian maturity overnight. As you know, we have a church gym here at the church. If you're visiting with us this morning, we call this building A. And over in the other building that's not connected unless you consider the breezeway a connection, that is building B. That is where our preschool meet. We have adult education over there. And we also um, have children's church over there. And that occurs in our gym. In that gym, there are two goals. And those goals are set to 10 feet all the time. They can be lowered, though, down to seven feet. Um, Now, seven feet, obviously, is not the official height. There have been times over the years that I've gone over into that gym and our young people will be in that gym and and I will look in the room and just kind of glance in there and see what's going on. And I see these young people who are five feet nothing. Man, they're in that room and they're slamming on those goals. Man, they're doing some 360s kind of like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James would do. They're kind of getting the running start and they're jumping and they're slam dunking. I mean, it's an amazing thing to witness. It's an amazing thing to witness until you realize what they've done. 
they've taken those goals from 10 feet and they lowered them down to 7 feet. At 7 feet, anybody can look good on a goal. All of us in this room, regardless of our height, we could all slam a seven-foot goal and look really, really good. Well, when I see them lower those goals, I immediately tell them, you've got to raise those goals. There's two reasons for that. Number one, I don't want them to get broken. And number two, if they want to become a great basketball player, they're not going to do it practicing on a seven-foot goal. They're going to have to raise that goal to 10 feet so that they can rise up to the 10-foot level. The same goes for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you and I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to rise up to God's standards for our life. Okay? What do we do, though? Oftentimes, we bring God's standards down to our level. Instead of spending adequate time in prayer and reading and study, what do we do? We sometimes, and I've been guilty of this in the past, I'll find a one scripture devotional out there. I'll read that scripture. I'll read the application that goes with that scripture. And then I'm like, oh man, I've done it. I've completed my quiet time for the day. Now I can move on. Is that biblical? Absolutely not. What's going to happen if that is the only spiritual growth that we get? We're going to remain infants in the faith. We're going to remain babies in the faith. If we want to rise up to God's standard, we can't just grab the low-hanging fruit, but we got to reach up and grab all of the fruit that God has for us on his tree. God does not want us to just exist. God doesn't want us to just go through the motions. God wants us to grow deep, and he wants us to grow wide. David Platt shared this illustration. He said, I want to tell you about an article I read recently in Newsweek magazine. This article talks about Muslim students in Afghanistan who go to school in Afghanistan at the age of five or six years old. And there they begin a process where by the age of 13 or 14, they have completely memorized the Quran the Muslim holy book. Not only do they memorize it, these students come to these schools and they speak different languages. They speak the Urdu language or the Pashto language. They come to these schools and they memorize the Quran in Arabic because that is the original language that the Quran was written in. And then David Platt goes on to, to talk to um, about how Imagine if we as a local church, if we made a commitment that when our children begin to enter into the church, we're going to begin to encourage them to memorize the New Testament. Not only are we going to encourage them to memorize the New Testament, we're going to encourage them to memorize it in the original language, the Greek. Okay, and once they complete memorizing the New Testament in Greek, then we're going to challenge them to memorize the Old Testament in Hebrew. And then once they've done that, then we're going to lead them to study God's Word in English and to memorize God's Word in English. Can you imagine if that is what we expected our children to do when they began a process of being discipled in this church? Most of you in this room would be like, man, we're going to another church if that's what's expected of me. We're not going to do that. Well, think about it. Why would... Ask yourself this question. If the people 
the Muslim people, if they are committed to learning the words of a false god, then what does that say about you and I that have the very words of the one and only true living God? If they're that committed about learning about a false god, what does that say about us? Man, let's be committed to growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we grow spiritually, there's also going to be numerical growth. If you and I read the Word of God and actually put into practice the Word of God, then we as a church will experience numerical growth. I believe that with all my heart. You know, we live in one of the fastest growing counties in all of the United States. We have some of the fastest growing cities around. I mean, Allen and McKinney, some of these other cities like Wiley and, and, and Plano, some of the fastest growing places in all of the United States. They are right here. What does that tell me? It tells me there's a lot of people moving to this area. And as they're moving to this area, many of them don't have a church. Many of them don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you and I would be the church and reach those and make deposits of the seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ into their life, then I don't think that there's any, 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 any reason to believe that we wouldn't begin to grow exponentially as a church. A biblical church is not only a united church and a growing church, but it is also a going church. In verses 15 and 16, we read, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When you and I think about the first church, when we think about that first church in Acts 2 that was formed after, the, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit fell upon that that new group of believers. We get our core values from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Within those core values, what we value is this. We value the Word of God. We believe that it's important that, that we as a church is equipped by God's Word so that we can then go out and do the work of ministry. Fellowship is important. Breaking bread together is a value that we have. Prayer is a value that we have. We got prayer warriors on Wednesday morning, week in and week out, that come together to pray specifically for the Lord to do mighty things. We, are, um, we believe that we have to be generous as believers and that we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And we also believe that worship is vital to who we are, that we worship in spirit and truth. And then we also are a going church. We believe it's important that we do missions locally, that we do missions nationally, and that we do missions internationally. Why? Because that is what we have been commanded to do. You know, what I love about the first church is I love reading about how the Spirit moved through those leaders and how people received the Word. In Acts 2.41, we read, 
And this is at the conclusion of, of the day of Pentecost, at the conclusion of Peter preaching and 5,000 coming to faith and being baptized. These are the words that we read. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I think I said 5,000. Please forgive me. Acts 2.47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In Acts 4, we read, But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. In Acts 6 7, we read, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The early church grew because the early church was, 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 a going church. Throughout the New Testament, we see men like Paul and Peter and Timothy and Titus and some of the other early leaders. We see them plant churches. We see them disciple news new believers. They were disciple makers. They went forth and they preached the gospel. People got saved. People were baptized. All good things, all biblical things. A growing church is a going church. You and I, we are to go as individuals. We are to go as family units. We are to go as a church united family as well. You know, I've said this before, but I pray one day that the Lord allows us to see people added to our number daily on a regular basis, not because I have any desire to see us become a megachurch. I don't have that desire whatsoever. But what I do pray for is that the Lord will use all of us in this room to invest the gospel into other people and the prayer obviously is if we invest the gospel, that that gospel will take root and men and women and students and children will become Christ followers themselves. In conclusion, a biblical church is a loving church. Over and over, the one thing people say about this church is that we are a loving church. We live up to our name. Now, in the society that we live in today, that is a good thing for some people and a bad thing for other people. Some people are, are man, hey, we love it. Man, we love when someone comes up and grabs us by, by the neck and hugs our neck and all that. But some people are, man, they're like, man, please don't get near me. Okay, it's flu season. It's all this other stuff's going around. Please don't get near me. So, so we may at times be accused of smothering people, but the vast majority of people that I talk to about this church is they say that we live up to our name. We are a loving body of believers, and I pray we will always be that. One pastor shared, shared if we want to grow in love, then we must live lives of serving. In verse 16, again, we read, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It is only as each part does its work that we will grow and be built up in love. A church is healthy. Only when it is filled with people who serve, when pastors equip the gifted and God's people exercise those gifts. You know, as your pastor, I'm committed to do my part. 
I'm committed to do everything that I can to equip you and to help prepare you for the work of ministry. My question for you is this. Are you prepared to do the work that God has called you to do as ministers of the gospel, as ministers that represent the greater church and this local church? One pastor shared, God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. If you don't use your gift, you deprive me. If I don't use my gift, I am robbing you. When we function as we are designed to function, then not only will we be a loving, unified, growing, and going church, but we will also be a healthy church. When each and every one of us do what we were designed to do by God, God's going to honor that. God's going to honor you if you have the gift of teaching and you begin to teach. God is going to honor you if you have the gift of serving and you serve. God is going to honor you if you have the gift of evangelism and you utilize that gift by sharing the gospel with other people and helping to equip other people. As we conclude this morning, the question was posed, what are we doing here? My prayer is this, that we are doing the work of ministry. Now, we are a small church. You know, there's no doubt about that. Many of us, are, many of you are stretched in many different ways. Not only do you lead worship, but you teach classes. And not only do you lead worship and teach classes, but you have a serving ministry here as well. And for you, thank you for what you do, okay? Some, though, may not have a place of ministry yet within this local body of believers. If you don't, then this morning I want to invite you to begin praying about where you can serve in this church. Out in our mall area, our foyer area, um, we have some sign-up sheets, these sign-up sheets are, 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 are broken up into different areas of ministry within this church where you can serve. We have age group ministries where we always need help in preschool area, children area, or youth area. So if you want to serve in the preschool and children area, talk to Stephanie. If you want to serve in the youth area, talk to Justin. If you feel like the Lord is leading you to teach an adult class, talk to Bill. If you feel led to be a part of the worship ministry in some way or another, talk to Bill. And, and we want to help you find a place that you can serve. There are other places that you can serve as well. We need greeters, those at the door as people are walking into this church, that we can greet them. We can shake their hand, call them by name, and say, hey, we're glad that you're here today. You know, I, I long for that day when we got men and women that are walking the parking lot welcoming those that are driving onto this campus. 
We're not able to do that right now because we don't have enough servants to do that. But I long for that day when we're able to do that. We also have a ministry, a security um, team that, that we have put into place. And if you feel led to, to serve in that area, we would love for you to do that. If you feel led to serve on Wednesday nights in one of our age group areas, we'd love for you to be a part of that. There are many different ways for you to serve at this church, missionally. Our Second Mile Saturdays where we go out and serve within our local community in the greater metro Dallas area, as well as Fifth Sunday Serve, which is every fifth Sunday we go and work with the church over in Plano called Church Under the Tree is an opportunity for us to be the hands and feet and serve the homeless in this area. Um, we, we, we serve locally. We um, go on a national trip every year and an international trip every year, all ways for us to be the hands and feet of Christ. Let us be used of God. As I started this morning with Acts 17, 6, let us be used of God to turn this world upside down, this community upside down for Christ, this world upside down for Christ. You know, you may be here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have yet to repent of your sins. You have yet to cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. This morning, I would love to lead you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning, and you've been visiting this church a while, and you feel like the Lord is leading you and your family to make Friendship Baptist Church your church home. You may this morning, as a result of, of, of our time of, of, of invitation, you may just need to spend the next few minutes and ask the Lord, Lord, am I serving as you have called me to serve? Am I utilizing the gifts that you have given me to serve this faith family and to serve those outside the doors of this church? So you may need to spend some time in prayer during this time of invitation. I don't know what decision you need to make, but I want to invite all of us to stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father, as we bring this service to a conclusion, Father, I know that in this room, the vast majority of everyone is already doing the work of ministry within this church. But there may be some here, Lord, that aren't that aren't being used as you have created them to be used. And Father, I just pray for them right now. Lord, I pray that you'll reveal to them where you'd have them to serve. If they don't know where it is, may they search out myself or Bill or, or Stephanie or Justin and say, hey, I need a little help here. Or their growth group leader and say, hey, I know that God wants me to serve, but I don't know yet where it is that I need to serve. And we want to walk with them Lord, to help them get into the right place. There may be some in this room, Lord, that are serving in a particular area, but they're not serving in the right area, the area that you would have them to serve in. And Father, we want to help them serve where you have called them to serve. Father, there may be some here this morning that have yet to enter into a personal relationship with you. I pray that today will be the day that they make the greatest decision of their life, and that is to cry out to you to be their Lord and Savior to cry out to you and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I've fallen short of your glory and I ask you now to forgive me and I make a commitment today that I'm going to live for you and serve you and I am going to surrender my life to your lordship 
Father, there's someone here this morning that needs to do that. I pray that you'll draw them unto yourself. There may be some here, Father, that you are leading to make Friendship Baptist Church their church home. And if that be the case, Lord, we pray that they will, they will come this morning and that they will begin the process of getting plugged in and involved and begin utilizing the gifts you've given them within this local body of believers to serve. Father, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Jesus, you come. If you need to come this morning um, because the Lord is leading you to make Friendship Baptist Church your church home, you come. Um, whatever decision you need to make, you do that this morning. I'm going to invite everybody to bow their head and let's just spend the next few moments in prayer together. And as we're praying, you come if there's a decision you need to make. The instrumentals, they're just going to play for a few minutes and then we'll sing together.